episode 94 of the florida trail runners podcast and this time we are talking about the georgia death race you know that point to point 70 ish 74 ish some ish in there miles in the mountains of north georgia i mean you've got kusa multi-gap that duncan ridge amicola falls you know absolutely amazing trails in that area of georgia you know that's really one of my favorite areas to run in and on the chat, we've got Matthew Johnson from Georgia. And we've got two of the Floridians. We've got Josh Lockwood and Mr. Pizza Gut himself, Neil Murphy. So, hey, let's kick it off with some stories from the Georgia Death Race. Hey, hey. Hey, you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. Perfect. Hey, Matt. Hey, what's up, man? Am I in? Oh, yeah. Sweet. Hey, Josh. You guys hear me all right? Loud and clear. Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, man. But I guess first off, how are you guys feeling after GDR? Not too bad. Yeah, I'm not bad either. Yeah, I'm like during I I, I felt like hammered shit. Now I I feel awesome. I went for a run yesterday. Um, I plan on doing my standard weekend half marathon when I don't have any events going on and feel awesome. Yeah, man, I've I've come off this really well. Like my body feels great. You know, more than anything, you know, the fatigue stuck around for a couple days. You know, just being tired. I think just from being up for so long. But uh, but yeah, the the soreness subsided pretty quick. I pretty much feel back to 100 percent to be honest. Because I was really hungry. I, oh the yeah, last couple the, days. Hun- the hunger has been there all week. That's, oh that's yeah, it's nuts. Part. I was over at Hungryland over the weekend, and like I wanted nothing but just water. I'm like, man, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we should kick it off with you know some introduction. You know, what's that background? You know, what's that running history? No, I'll go first. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll go first. Uh, Josh here. Um, I don't. I don't have a huge running background. I mean, I've always just run, but um, I did a little bit of track in high school. No, no long distance. Just kind of run for fun, and that's that's about it. Yeah, because w- when was your first ultra? Because I think I saw an ultra sign up long haul. Yeah, that was my first one. <laughs> the hundred mile. <laughs> you jumped right in. Right in, man. That was uh, the. I did a marathon. Uh, the October that was in January. I did a marathon in October. That that was my second longest distance, and then went for the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to go. Yeah, that's way to do it. <laughs> yeah, man, dive in head first. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go. So this is Matt. My name is Matt Johnson. So I actually have a pretty long background with running. I've been running. So, I, you know, I grew up kind of playing all the sports, you know, tried a little bit of everything growing up, um, you know, football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, you know, I did it all. And then I started running. Um, actually, my, my freshman year of high school, I remember in middle school, my eighth grade year, you know, we kind of had to do the mile, you know, fitness test. I'm sure a lot of people kind of have a similar story getting into running. I guess I did okay at the time. And uh, the, the middle school cross, uh, the middle school PE teacher at the time uh, was the high school cross country coach where I went. And, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, talked to me about it, you know, he asked if I'd be interested in joining the cross country team when I got in high school. And for whatever reason, I said, yeah, sure, you know, let's go for it. And, and um, you know, I started running ran you know and in my, my freshman year of high school ran cross country and track all the way through and just absolutely fell in love with the sport you know and and became extremely passionate about it and then I had the opportunity to run 
cross country and track collegiately as well. So I ran in college cross country and track and continued, you know, for my, for my years in school. And then, um, you know, all along, I, I loved running on the trails and, and, and loved training on the trails, even through, you know, my time in high school and college. So I kind of think in the back of my head knew that, that after, uh, collegiate running was done I, I wanted to continue running and competing just because it's it's what I love to do I was so passionate about it and, and I think that's what's great about the sport it's a lifelong sport and something you can always do so um after uh after college I uh pretty much jumped into trail running right away um I, I started off with a lot, a lot of short course like Xterra type races you know just shorter distance sub ultra distances and then um in 2016 is when I ran my first uh ultra I ran a 50k in 2016 and and pretty much from there it's just been straight to the mountains and 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 everything ultra since you know throughout the years i, I definitely sprinkle in a lot of sub ultra distances as well so I, I i love running all distances on the trails um but yeah pretty much since 2016 i dove dove straight into the ultras and 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 mountain races and have been doing everything since any anywhere from you know shorter trail races all the way up to 100 mile races so i, I love it all and i just love being in the mountains man it's it's uh it's where i feel at home so I'm gonna gonna keep doing as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was what in 2019. That's when I met you out at the Fats 50K. Yeah, man. Yeah, 2019. I believe it was. It was. Uh, I you know me and a buddy just you know we went to college at you know not far from there, um, at Augusta University, and so we we always kind of knew of the race, and so we just kind of thought it would be fun to go back that year and just run it, be a part of it, partly just to kind of visit some old friends and kind of see our you know go back and and kind of visit where we went to school but uh we always kind of wanted to go back and be a part of the race yeah man that was that was a fun one for sure that turned out to be a a fun race i remember it being really hot which isn't surprising for that area but but yeah i I remember that one well yeah nathan maxwell he's the race director for that one yeah 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 it was a good event i I definitely wouldn't mind going back and doing it again sometime we need to go back out there because maybe we can go one two again i don't know yeah yeah man yeah i'll 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 go run it again sometime that was uh that was a fun day for sure a few uh a few a a few uh hiccups along the way but i don't i don't i don't think uh you can run many ultras without facing a little bit of adversity (laughs) a little bit of trail puke oh yeah that and you know falling face first you know out of an aid station and losing all your fluids along the way so yeah yeah i remember it well hey guys neil hey well uh my story for running is kind of late into the game uh all throughout high school and college uh i my hobby i played video games professionally i competed in them and i that's that's all you can guess either the kind of lifestyle that that entailed but the mental aspect of it i had no idea had such a close tie-in to ultra running just the 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 mental aspect of just trying to do something that not a lot of people can do and that's you know competed at a national level and everything like that but as you can guess side effects of that is throughout college i think i put on about 50 pounds in college so i didn't really i stepped on some scale at work I think I was like 24, 25 years old and realized that. And I I kid you not, it's like the only time I ever clicked on an ad was when I saw an ad for Warrior Dash. And it was on the same day that I stepped on that scale and had that real eye opener that, oh my God, I've been treating myself like crap. Figured, okay, what's a 5K distance? Figured that out. All right, let me go try to run. I made it about a quarter of a mile before I had to stop to walk. And that was my first run. And much like anything that you try to compete in, that you try to be really good at, 
you go one step at a time. And, you know, the next run that I did, I went, yeah. hey, made about a half a mile. And then I had to start walking. And then it just kind of went from there. I finally did that warrior dash. It kicked the ever-living crap out of me. But then I learned about this crazy thing that's, uh, what was it after that? I think it was Tough Mudder. Heard about that. Figured, oh my god, that's 12 miles. That's going to be freaking impossible. So it just kind of went from there. You learn about what's the next big event. Because I, di- I didn't really like settling at a small victory. I wanted to use that to get to the next level. And so I started off with, with OCR. And then learned about ultra running through some events like Masters of All Terrain. I really miss that. And that's actually where I did my first ultra. I believe like 2012, 2013 time frame. And it was a 50 miler with a weighted rucksack on. And I had never even done a marathon before that. So my first marathon was embedded within that. It was a lot of fun. And I won. And part of it was just due to the fact that I was just one of the last men standing. A lot of people quit and it sucked. And I, right then I realized that I've got a, I've got a knack for suffering, I guess. And so I went on just to find out the next events that you can suffer a lot in and a lot of people quit and discovered some of the GORUCK events, discovered a lot of the Spartan events, the Spartan Killington. That's the one that I've really come out and made a name for, started by DNFing it and made podium on that a couple of times on age group. So yeah, it's just a, the process of finding the next event that's considered one of the hardest ever and putting myself out there. That's where I am today, doing 100 milers and Georgia death races, which we're all going to talk about. I can't wait. So <laughs> I'll shut up so we can get talking about it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, because you, you've ran GDR like four or five times or something, you know, something like that. How many times have you been out at GDR? Uh, eight. Well, okay. So what I, I'll volunteer one year and to get in the next year. So this is, this year was my, my, how many spikes do I, I think I lost my spike already this year. It's, I think I, uh, I got four. So four and four. <laughs> nice. And then of course you were known as the famous, uh, you know, passed out pizza guy. <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. When, it's a long, it's, a bit of a story so uh we'll we'll get to that we'll get to that as we as we go those listening right now stay tuned i'll give the story for you all to enjoy. <laughs> which was almost like a male's fitness like that was the profile picture for the <laughs> male fitness it got to like the semi-finals i can't believe it <laughs> so it's <That's> like awesome. <laughs> so it's like most of y'all you know other than Josh, you know, you've got the experience with this area, you know, even being out in, um, you know, that Vogel State Park area, that Duncan Ridge, that George Death Race. I guess for you guys, you know, it's like, what brings you back out there again? And obviously for Josh, you know, what brought you out to the Georgia Death Race? Man, I, I guess I'll, I'll start off and answer that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I kind of consider GDR, you know, kind of my hometown course. It feel like it's right in my backyard. You know, I can be at the start line in like an hour from where I live. Um, so I, I, I've spent quite a bit of time up, up in those mountains, on the trail, on the Duncan Ridge Trail, just everywhere in that area. And, uh, you know, it feels like home. Um, it's, it's as hard as they say it is, you know, the race. It definitely lives up to the hype. And, and I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I've I've run the race and finished GDR three times, and I've I've gone back and volunteered a couple years as well. And I don't know what it is. You know, it's it's just the once you go and experience it, um, you know, in person, and, and you're a part of the event, it just kind of lures you in. You know, I, I I think it's you know just an epic weekend as a whole. I think just the the event itself, and and just kind of uh, the the community and the people that surround it. Um, you know, it, it just 
kind of just lures you in and it just makes you want to keep being a part of it. You know, it's, it's kind of a well-known, obviously a kind of a race that's well-known definitely on the East coast. And, um, you know, I, th- I think, you know, for good reason, you know, obviously it keeps selling out year after year and, and, you know, there's, there's just something about it that, that, you know, once you experience it, you want to go back and experience it again, you know, regardless of what thoughts you may be having, you know, you know, 15 hours into it and how much, you know, pain and discomfort you be in, you know, you, you just keep wanting to go back and, and it's definitely something that I love being a part of. And, um, I, I definitely plan to go back, you know, hopefully, you know, in the future and continue to be a part of it either as a, as an athlete or a volunteer. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those events that once you're a part of it, you, you know, you're just kind of, you just want to keep going back. This is the jacket. Yeah. Yes. You see that jacket? Yeah. Five times you get a jacket <laughs> yeah. so with your name engraved. Yeah, man. It's it. funny you mentioned that. I, so I, <laughs> I, I just got my third spike the other, you know, this past weekend and I told my wife about the jacket and I, uh, I was like, you know, if I finish it two more times and I'm a five time finisher, you know, they give out this cool custom jacket to those you know, five-time finisher. She and she looked at me and she's like, "Oh, you're doing it two, two more times." And she was like, "She was like, you're you're going back two more times." And she was like, "Then we're gonna share the jacket." <laughs> but, uh, oh, but yeah. oh, of course. Yeah, yeah my I, wife wears my Spartan Death Race hoodie all the time, and I look at her and it's just like, "You didn't do Death Race? What is this?" Yeah, it's, it was it was funny, but no, I mean, you know, definitely, I mean, she she deserves to wear it, you know, more than I do. All the support she gives me and and being out there and crewing me and. And, uh, you know, being a, kind of along for the ride for all these races. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm like, well, I've done it three times. You like, I at least got to do it two more to, to get the jacket. So, yeah, the jacket's definitely uh, a little carrot hanging out there for me to uh, keep going back for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Neil, what, what, what brings you back? More pizza? <laughs> yeah, I see it. Like, have you guys ever been to Epcot? Yeah. Yeah. So you go around the little host of the worlds and you go to one spot They've got this really cool food. You walk to the next spot. I see it as that, but just, you know, with a little bit longer, more treacherous little walk in between the little <laughs> spots to eat food. Really, it's just it's just to eat the food. Uh, I love being out there, and I love just, just eating nonstop out there. And it, it, what, what brings me out is, once again, I heard that it was this incredibly – insanely hard event this is you know back in like 2016 i barely finished that year this is 2016 or 2017 i finished in like over 23 hours and that's when their cutoff was 24 hours i think and so i was like oh my god that was really difficult i want to go out there again and i want to beat that time i don't want to keep coming out there and beating that time and i've gotten it down to about 18 hours and 20 minutes i definitely had that goal this year but (laughs) mother nature said no to that that was uh (laughs) this year was and i'm pretty sure a lot of folks are gonna agree this was by far the hardest gdr that they ever had we we got we got everything didn't we we had the freezing rain in the beginning where we couldn't even go downhill it was just a slip and slide with rocks and (laughs) yeah and then the afternoon heat just came in. And even yeah. as a, a Florida guy who runs on flat ground all the time, that was hot. That was the first ultra that I was <laughs> oh, really yeah. like throwing up. And it was it was pretty freaking haggard. So like being in that and knowing that that's what happens. I love also volunteering. That's what brings me out there as well. 
I love seeing everyone else going through that because like I like you see it in their faces. You know what's going on in their head, exactly what's going on in your head. And the funnest thing ever is when they come into that aid station, either the the mile 45 station winding stair or I think it's Jake Bull for the next one after that mile 50 ish. Mm-hmm. Everything is ish at the GDR, by the way. So when we're given miles that you guys are listening to, it's always ish, give or take. You know, one or five for the love of God. <laughs> but you see them coming in, and they're just like, "No, man, I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. This is this." But you knew. First thing I always ask is, is, "This is your first time, isn't it?" And the answer is always yes. And it's just this whole process of just doing that brain surgery on them, and just just getting them to get out there. Once they take that that step out of the A station to the next spot, oh, that's a good victory. That's as cool as getting your spike. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, that's that's the thing about GDR that kind of keeps me bringing back or coming back is is just the like you said, it's just it, it's known as this extremely difficult race, and and I've done a lot of races over the years, over the, my years of running and a lot of ultras, and um, you know, for me, I've I've done well at a lot of them, especially like the 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 fifty k type distance, you know, the shorter or you know sub ultra distance. Um, but for me, you know, these really longer races, um, is, is really what I'm drawn to because I, I love doing things and doing races that, that intimidate you a little bit or, or things that you're not sure you can do, or you're not sure you can finish. I, I know that was kind of it for me. The first time at a GDR in 2018 was like, man, I want to try this. Like, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but that, that, that kind of brought the excitement, you know, to it as well It's like, you know, this is kind of unknown territory. And, uh, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about it. It's, it's, it's hard. And I feel like I still haven't quite figured out, you know, the, the, I feel like I still haven't quite run up to my potential and capabilities at GDR yet. So I think that's part of what keeps me coming back to it is just, I feel like this, it's this big puzzle that I'm still trying to piece together and every year is different and every year presents different challenges. And, and that's the beauty, that's the beautiful thing about ultra running too, is, is you can be as prepared as you've ever been and there's still a long list of unknowns that can present present themselves on the day of and i think you know we saw a lot of that this year um just from the conditions being from you know monsoon rains and you know extreme wind gusts in the first few hours to extreme heat and it's just that that process of problem solving and troubleshooting on the fly and trying to figure it out and and you know having to face adversity and getting backed up against the ropes and and still kind of having to come out fighting late race and you know, and, and to your point, you know, that's the beautiful thing is it's just this this process of mind games, you know, and, and I've, I've always kind of joked, you know, races like this, I feel like are are 90 percent mental and the other 10 percent is in your head. You know, it's just it's just, you know, the entire thing is just a, just a process of of, you know, just a mental fortitude and keeping yourself moving forward. And um, and, you know, that's that's uh, you know, I think that's the, the beautiful thing about races like this is you really get to learn a lot about yourself you know, in those, in those tough moments. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's for me, you know, you know, the fun part of it in a sense is, is when the going does get tough, you know, that's when you feel like the race truly does start. And, uh, and, and, and to your point too, about volunteering, I also love that experience of being able to see other people suffer and other people overcome those, those moments of adversity. Cause to me being able to, you know, do it yourself is one thing, but to be able to watch other people do that, for me, I draw so much inspiration from that because there, you know, just there's something about seeing somebody come into an age station, just completely, you know, defeated and, and, and just broken down to, to just to, to nothing and, and 
just being beat up on the course all day and then to see them continue to persevere and to step forward and put one foot in front of the other despite you know everything seemingly going wrong you know there's a lot of inspiration I, I feel like I draw from that and that's that's something that I think is a beautiful thing about the sport and and uh, one of the things that I think is cool, you know, when we kind of started off, all three of us talking about our backgrounds in running is we all three kind of come from very different, you know, paths or journeys to the sport of running. But yet it, it's all kind of brought us to the same point, you know, in the same race and the same event. And, you know, you know, every everybody, you know, is maybe out there for their own different personal reasons or whatever it is. But I think it just goes to show that that it doesn't kind of matter what what your background is, you know, you know, you know, I think people are are capable of a lot of stuff you know when when you know they're they're uh you know just having the right mindset and just getting out there and willing to push themselves and, and kind of test the unknown waters a little bit yeah because that's a good point and it's like for josh man Pinellas trail challenge long haul 100 how did you decide that you were going to be the one that you know you got the same the same race go to the same race as these guys who I mean, they've been out there before. They kind of know what's coming up. Josh, what brought you out? What brought you out there? Yeah, as a new guy, man, I, obviously you see I haven't run very many races. I'm new to the sport. I've only been doing it for about a little over a year now. But, uh, man, I was at um, I was at another little six-hour race here local in Florida, and someone I was talking to guys who were running, and he brought up uh, that he had did the uh, Georgia death race one year. I'm like, oh, cool. That, sound, that sounds like a cool race. So I looked it up, uh, watched a little promo video on YouTube for it. And man, I was hooked, man. They, they, they definitely market their race well, and it lived up to the hype. It was, and everything that the other two guys were saying, man, that that's uh, I a hundred percent agree as the new guy out there. It was, I had no, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never even run in the mountains before, but man, it was, it was an experience. It was awesome. It was well put together and I'll be out there again for sure. Yeah. And like, that's a good point. Cause sometimes just that ignorance is bliss mentality. <laughs> it goes a long way. It does, dude. I was, I was telling somebody, a, a buddy of mine last week, it was like Thursday or something. We were talking about the race and he was asking if I was ready. I was like, yeah, man. I was like, you know, I said, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I was like the fact that I've, I've trained on the course a lot and I've, I've run it twice before. I was like, you know, I don't know if it's a blessing that know what I'm self, what know what I'm getting myself into, or I know what to expect out there. I said, or I, I said, I don't know if it's a curse <laughs> that I know what I'm getting myself into out there. I was like, it's like a good thing and a bad thing because you know what to expect, but the bad thing is, is you also know to, you know what's coming. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, man, maybe, maybe <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Maybe that's a maybe that's a, a good thing in some regard. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had no idea what was coming, man. I was like, well, I know this is I know this is probably gonna hurt. Yeah, but. I mean, the only disadvantage that I was really at was I don't I had no idea how to run the race as far as right right as far as you know when to run when to walk when to hike you know I kind of just went off uh, the info that they put out man kind of just hike the uphills run the downhills run the flats and I tried to stick to that game plan the whole time that's it, that's it. <laughs> and look so that that's kind of a huge point there with. There's a lot of hills up there in that, that Duncan Ridge, Vogel State Park. There's ups, there's downs. There's a lot of downs, a lot of ups. Jason Green, when I was out there at H9, he was like, man, if you want to go the long haul of this, you got to walk the downhills. <laughs> so I guess, you know, when you're talking about a race like this, hills, obviously that's a huge aspect, you know, because you have the power hike, the walk, the skip, I don't know, you know, you, running, walking, 
is there a game plan just for how to tackle hills? I mean, you, you know, I think I think everybody's probably a bit different. You know, by and large, you know, the, what's interesting about GDR is is the course is is more or less kind of divided into two halves, right? The first like 35, 36 miles, you're primarily on the Duncan Ridge Trail, and and that's you're just getting a ton of just vertical gain and loss. You're essentially just going peak to gap, peak to gap for like 35 miles, 36 miles. So you're getting a a, a, a ton of just vertical gain and loss early on in the race, and the back half of the race, you know, you definitely have a lot more seemingly runnable sections, right? A lot of more fire road and forest service road and, and kind of more smoother buffed out single track. Um, but kind of the trick is, is the balancing act is, is getting through that first 36 miles and still having the legs to take advantage of it on the back half. Right. And so, and, and then also being able to train for that too, because a lot of people I think focus on the training so much for, for the vert and they kind of fail to train for more of those, kind of lower grade inclines or, or douche grade inclines, whatever you want to call them. And, and the more fire would be able to run off tired legs. And so for me, kind of the approach I take is definitely, you know, early on, you know, everything up, all the, all the climbs, you know, you're, you're power hiking for sure. Um, but, but to his point, you know, or to your point is, is definitely um, you have to be smart, you know, on the descents too, you know, for me, you know, you, you can't just, bomb every single descent because you're definitely going to wreck your quads early on in the race too so it's kind of this balancing act of of just trying to keep this nice steady effort i feel like for the first half you know constantly moving forward you know trying not to uh do too much damage to the to the legs early on and 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 uh save as much as you can for the back half because in my opinion some some of those climbs on the drt you can try to run them but it's going to be much more energy efficient to power hike um, because you're you're just not going to make up enough time or gain enough time trying to run them for the amount of energy and and uh, that it's going to cost you to do it right. You know, it's just going to shoot your heart rate way up, and and so it's definitely an interesting race. You get a little bit of everything out there in terms of kind of terrain and, and trails and everything. So um, yeah, I mean it's a it's kind of a, a puzzle out there to try to try to nail it just right and you know, right when you think you have it figured out, you know, some curveballs get thrown at you like the weather or something like that. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a, a fun course. Um, just, you know, you got to train for a little bit of everything for sure. But, uh, you, you know, you definitely have to be patient in the first half, no doubt. And careful, my God, and careful, just, especially this year. I mean, just sliding down and everything. And I, I like that you said that you have to calculate it. I, I, I see this a lot like, um, despite me never having run in one, a triathlon where you put your effort, if you completely burn like red line heart rate, the swim, you might get ahead, you know, five minutes faster than you would have. Uh, if you do the same to the bike ride, you're going to finish the bike ride hours ahead of what you normally would have. So the same as I, I, I see that like the uphill is the swim, just kind of coast it, just keep yourself in second gear and for me, uh, I, I really work on my quads a lot. So I'm able to bomb the downhills, uphills. All, right. I, you, all of you guys are passing me on the uphills. I'm, fr I'm from Florida. That's, that's my kryptonite. <laughs> but downhills, my quads and hammies are on point, And those are my strengths. And uh, I, just, I just zip down there. But it's really just find your strengths and see where you're wasting your energy. Yeah, and just yeah. try your best to just manage that. I mean, there's just a lot to calculate. You're right. There's so much to calculate on this course where you see you see the results of people's calculations when you volunteer. 
and you see just yeah, I, I mean I had we one one year we had the second place female coming into winding the stair quitting. Second place. Oh and she she was just done. I think I remember that year. I think yeah. I was I think I was like I don't know if I was running or volunteering, but I think that was when it was a golden ticket race. It was and and she was in a golden ticket spot and just tapped out at winding stair and she had like twenty minutes up on third place. Yes. And we were, it was so crushing because we were, she was sitting in the chair and we were all just like taking turns talking to her, doing our own little brain surgery. Like her family was there and everything. Like she, there was so much leading up to it. And we, she, she says, all right, let me get some food in me. And then, you know, when, the, when they make that first concession, like, okay, let's, let me do this first. Okay, good. Yeah, you do that. And so it was just a series of just like building her up, build her up, build her up. And just when she got up, just when she was ready to go, like just when we were like ready to pop the champagne, like we were like, yeah, she's going back. Third place came in. She saw her and she's like, no, I'm out. <laughs> it was just, oh, it oh, was, man. oh, it was, it was such a crusher. We were so, it's, oh. but it's so, it's so cool though. Cause you guys were saying earlier how awesome the trail running community is. I, I came from like, I came from the video game community and I don't know if you guys know, it can be a pretty toxic community. <laughs> it can be pretty bad. So going from that to seeing just like how supportive uh, you guys are and just like how amazing it is to um, just have everyone around you wanting you to win, wanting you to succeed. It's, it's, so, it's so hard to find that these days. I brought my brother with me the first time this week as kind of like a pseudo crew basically the guy that's just going to drive me from the finish line uh back to the hotel but he, he was just learning a little bit about ultra running he had no he's never done any kind of ultra run. he's the complete opposite of me but we see he, he sees the drop bags and he's like how does that work you're just going to leave them out there at this stage like isn't people going to take your stuff and we're and i was just completely blown back by it. i was just like what no <laughs> no one's gonna take your stuff. What? That's like that. That would never ever happen. And he's just like, wow. I guess. Uh, I guess the. Guess it's a good community. I was like, yeah. I guess it is. <laughs> no one wants your MRE. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, everyone knows who. Yeah, that's right. Everyone knows what my stuff is. It's the MRE cheese sauce and some gold bond powder. That's all I need. <laughs> it's it's so good. I'll get more people using it. Yeah, man, that's that's a good point, though. I mean, that's true. I don't know if I've ever even thought about that, you know. But I guess somebody coming from the outside in, getting experience the community for the first time, you know, that's that's kind of a cool observation. But yeah, that's never even crossed my mind. <laughs> somebody taking my my drop bag or anything like that. But uh, but yeah, man, it's just you know people from different backgrounds, but all kind of like minded people come together, and, and you know that's that's like I said, that's that's the cool thing. Um, and my it's, it's funny you bring that up. My wife was actually out there. Um this past weekend and you know and uh and one of the things we were talking about was just like how cool of an experience it is to to be in that race and you just feel like you're all in it together right you just feel like you're all up against this challenge you know the georgia death race and yeah you're out there competing and you want to do well and you have your own individual race but you feel you, you at least for me I, I truly feel like we're all kind, of, all kind of up against it together and and it's fun to be out on the trail and to be encouraging each other or asking other runners like, Hey, are you good? Do you need anything? Or people asking you that when you're in a low moment and, and it's just, you truly feel bonded over the experience you're in, you know, kind of everybody's kind of suffering together type of thing. And that's, that's one of these, those unique things that, uh, that makes the, the ultra running 
community so special is I feel like everybody's just in it together, you know, in a sense. And uh, it's just a, a unique, a unique thing to be a part of and experience. And it's one of those things I don't think you probably can truly even understand it or explain it until you experience it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a cool aspect to this race and, and just the, the community in general. Especially at an event like this, everyone knows what they're up against. Oh, like yeah. Some of the oh, yeah. stats for this year, I'm looking at Ultra Sign Up right now. This year, uh, we had more people who registered. We had more people who registered not cross the finish line than cross. We had 158 finishers. Uh, 97 people didn't even start, didn't even show up, which is huge. Usually, yeah. it's only like 10% attrition rate on that. That's, so that's massive. They probably saw the weather radar that morning and just kind of noped it out. And then uh, 85 people <laughs> DNF'd. So yeah. yeah, this year. And what's even what's even crazier is just to give you guys an idea of, of how much harder this year was. I'm looking at so ultra sign up rank. We've got the year that I finished 1827. That was 71 and a half percent rank. This year finished 20 hours, 50 minutes, 72.90. So I, I ranked higher yeah. <laughs> going almost two hours, over two hours slower, just to give any, all, the, all the listeners an idea. And I think what contributed the most is that a lot of that time that you make up in the beginning, the downhills, all that, we couldn't do that. If you no. dared to try to do that, you were just going to go on a toboggan down the mountain and you're just gonna like be like chris farley and tommy boy was tommy boy or black sheep where he just like totally eats it and just rolls down the mountain a lot like that <laughs> and it was just yeah it, it, it i was just like well this isn't gonna work well and my, my headlamp of course dies in the morning it is it was just a whole lesson of uh uh what's the saying failure to prepare is preparing to fail after all like every ultra that i've done you still learn lessons this oh, yeah. one was, hey, make sure that your headlamp is actually sealed in shut or the water is going to totally destroy it. And also make sure you waterproof your gear. I had spare socks with me. And this is the, the only time that I forget to do to put them in a Ziploc bag is, of course, when it rains. And so there's a lot of times it's like if you're playing poker and you lose like a really, really bad hand, you lose like $100 to learn a bad lesson you're not going to forget that lesson. This was, this was one of those poker lessons that you spend all day having to learn is my feet. I don't know about <laughs> how are you guys feet? Like during the, they're okay now, but during the event, I mean, it was just ground hamburger meat. It was just, it was nasty. It was gnarly. <laughs> so mine, believe it or not, were actually held it really well. Like I had zero foot problems all day. And, um, and so I did make one socks, sock change at, uh, Skeena. Uh, in 21 miles in and and i wasn't having any foot problems but i just knew my feet shoes being soaked socks being soaked i was like there's a long way to go it was more of just a, a preventative thing at that point just having such a long way to go in the race i just changed them really quick but i really didn't have any issues as far as as, as uh foot problems go um you know fortunately i did put all my stuff in waterproof bags so i had a bunch of dry gear for myself i think for me the challenge of the rain was that it was still a rather like it wasn't a really, really cold morning. And so we had all our, our rain gear on. It was just a monsoon at the start. And then once we started climbing up Kusa, I actually started getting hot. 
and and warm mm-hmm. and started kind of sweating so i was like well i was like it was this balance of trying to stay dry but not try trying not to overheat and just sweat a ton in the early miles um because i didn't want to get get super soaked in sweat and get really cold when we got up on 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 kusa so it was just this this balancing act of trying to stay dry but also trying not to overheat and because i had like you know a waterproof jacket those things get pretty warm you know once you especially when you start putting some effort going up a, <laughs> I think it's a sauna jacket go, yeah yeah it's, it's, going up hill. yeah felt exactly like. it felt like a sauna jacket oh so, man fortunately i had a, like a, a light poncho i just took off my my waterproof jacket threw it in my my like tied around my waist or something and just put on my poncho like over my t-shirt so i stayed dry but then i wasn't didn't feel like i was overheating and sweating a ton and just losing a bunch of you know, just go, getting dehydrated super early on in the race, just because I like felt like I was in a sauna suit. So it was it was definitely an interesting dynamic. I, I've never had experienced that before in a race of being in in weather like that. And then, like you said, I mean, once the sun came out, it got really hot, and that just presented a whole heap of of other challenges between electrolytes. And you know, for me, the personally, the last twenty miles, it was just I couldn't keep anything down, and you know, and, and calories, and so it was just a very unique day in terms of weather and just challenges that presented themselves and it made it difficult but at the same time that's kind of what makes it fun too right you know i mean that's yeah. why we do it that's that's why we do it is just trying to figure it out on the fly and and uh yeah i mean that's that's the fun part and i think that's kind of the mindset you have to go have go into these races with is you can't be afraid to fail right and i think that's a big part of it is is the excitement of trying something difficult but also <laughs> approaching with this mindset of you're not afraid to fail you know you're you're excited for the challenge ahead and and ready to roll with the punches whatever's thrown at you and there's so much that you can't control in an ultra it's just just that mindset of like all right you know you stay positive keep moving forward and kind of figure it out as you go and so that yeah it was uh it was (laughs) i feel like we could talk all day about the the uh this year's race and just the challenges that it presented for sure how many people (laughs) did you guys see on the course throwing up i saw I saw four people, the most this year. I saw four people, and then I was like, man, I'm glad that I wasn't one of those ones throwing up. And this is like at the mile 37 station, and about, and you guys know exactly what's going to happen next. And like about, <laughs> like about a quarter of a mile, at once I got out of that aid station, I'm running, my stomach sloshing up and down. And of course, uh, just, brrr, just all, it's just so all throughout that little dirt, that dirt road where you can yeah, finally run. And I was like, nope, I was walking that and I was just just puking away. And that was that was that like is- the only time at a at, at a race where I wanted to quit. Like it actually <laughs> crossed my mind. And I was just like, how am I gonna tell people this? Like how like sure, I can be like, yeah, I couldn't keep food down, so I decided to quit. And I was like, no, nah, that just sounds like such a bitch. Like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. Uh, and, and then I, we, we, I like how Sean, in the beginning of the race, said that, you're, yeah, you're going to go through some shit. You're going to really have to dig dig yourself out of a problem. And, and I just remember that, and I was just like, all right. Yeah. This is what I, this is what I signed up for. Let's go. And I was able to get some food in, but I don't know. What was your guys, uh, vomit count that oh, you all man. saw? Dude, I, I, I think I lost count to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, for me, see, that's, that's been a, you know, probably over the past year or really since I ran GDR in 2021. So really the last year to two couple years, you know, that's been a, a big, problem for me that i've big puzzle that i've been trying to figure out in pretty much any distance like 50 miles or over any race distance and 
has been having a lot of stomach issues, especially in the heat, you know, which I think definitely contributes to that for sure. But um, for me, I, it must have been like a cursed aid station. So I think, was it Long Creek right around mile 36? Mm-hmm. I think that that aid station is the first time I kind of got sick. It wasn't bad, though. I actually felt better after the fact. Um, and then happened again at Winding Stair and then uh, kind of got it together and, and ran really well to Jake Bull. And then by the time I got to Jake Bull, you know, things that kind of started unraveling in terms of the nutrition. And uh, I just couldn't keep anything down. I literally went from Jake Bull to the finish on water like just sipping water. I couldn't, any food that I tried to intake would, would come back up. Any, any other sort of electrolytes or drinks other than water would come back up. So it's been a, it's been an ongoing puzzle for me to try to figure out because I, I, it's funny because I never really have these problems in training. I, I feast in training. And so I, you know, I eat whatever I want. So it's definitely been one of those things that I have to, I pretty much have only experienced in longer races and it's just kind of trying to figure it out. And I feel like each time I, I learn a little bit of a, a different, piece to the puzzle but yeah that was definitely a big challenge I, you know for me and i know it was for a lot of other people too that i saw out there and so i think you know but but then again that's just you know kind of that adversity piece that gets thrown in there and and it, it definitely makes the experience much more difficult and adds in a lot more suffering when you can't take in those calories and and you're kind of puking along the side of the trail as as you're trying to run um was that you that i saw at winding steer puking like like just shortly after the aid station no no i I, I, once i left the aid station i was i was good at least until i got the jake bull and then i wasn't good again but but, um, (laughs) but uh but but yeah man that's that's the tough part right and and it's frustrating when you're in it because for me my legs were great i felt like my legs were in a great spot like i was ready ready to roll but it gets to a point where you just when when you can't keep food down, where you just don't have any gas in the tank, right? And so it's yeah. this frustrating place to be of like, man, my legs like feel fantastic, like I'm ready to roll and you know start clicking off these miles. And, and but when you try to do that, it's like your body's just shutting yourself down because you don't have any gas in the tank, right? So it's it's this tough place to be, man. Going into Jake Bull, like I really felt like you know like man, I'm up against the ropes right now. Like I'm gonna have to really really fight and dig deep for this last 20 miles. Cause like, you know, like I said, having, having done the race two other times, like you still got a long ways to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at that point. And then, you know, I kind of knew that in the back of my head. So I, I knew what I was, you know, what I was kind of going to be up against at that point. But, um, but yeah, man, the, the, the nutrition, I think that's just a, I feel like it can differ for everybody. And even then it, personally, I feel like it almost can differ from race to race, you know? And, uh, and you know, I had trouble with it in a hundred miler I did in the fall and GDR a couple of years ago. So that's that's just a constant puzzle. <laughs> I, I don't have the answers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Josh, did you have a game plan? <laughs> um, everybody does until uh, until yeah. it falls apart, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I try. You know, as far as running the race you know, with uh, the kind of the game plan they laid out, as far as you know, I uh, you know, as far as the running goes, hiking the up. You know, going as fast as I could down the downhills. Um, I kind of just rolled with the punches, man. And like the first part was real miserable for me as far as the freezing rain. That that was terrible. I kind of did the same thing as uh, Matt did. I changed at uh, skiing a gap just as a preventative. I'm like, you know, just from past past experiences. I'm like, you know, we got a long ways to go, and running in wet socks and wet shoes is not going to cut it. So I didn't really have many feet problems either. I changed my socks up, got dry socks on, and I was good to go. Um, Nutrition-wise, the, the food at the A stations was great. You know, I was throwing back bacon and avocado wraps, feeling good. But uh, 
I never puked the race, but you know, same thing. Once I got to Jake Bull, I started having a little bit of stomach issues, and that's the first time I've ever really experienced that either. Um, started popping tums like Tic Tacs, <laughs> and man, it, you know, the last twenty miles was rough as far as the stomach issues went, but just pushed through it. Um, but same thing, you know, kind of didn't kind of stopped eating around Jake Bull, got a few things back, but yeah, pretty much went on water and electrolytes. So coming into race day, you know, you guys arrive there at the uh, Amicola Falls State Park at like 2 a.m., like so early in the morning, you get the shuttle bus. How was that shuttle bus? So I, I personally, um, I haven't ridden the shuttle bus before, actually. My, uh, uh, well, the two previous times I got my crew um, or my, my, yeah, my crew, my wife, they dropped me off at Vogel. Um, and then this past time, actually, I, I stayed in Dahlonega the night before. And then, um, yeah, my wife and my, my dad just dropped me off right there at the start line. At, was it the, Her the, farm, the Byron Herbert Reese Farms or whatever it was called? So I just got dropped off. So I can't really speak to that. <laughs> I did see, though, we were like, I don't know, 10 minutes out from the park and we were driving and we saw two of the shuttles like, I don't know if they broke down or something on the side of the road. I think one of them caught fire. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the back of one caught fire. I don't Dude, know. I can't. That's like the, <laughs> the fact that, that that happens at the Georgia death race is almost like, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, you know, that's appropriate. You know, yeah, I know. Right. I feel like that's appropriate yeah. for the Georgia death that race. To have a shuttle just break down, you know, 10 minutes from the start. And yeah, yeah like someone's ride needs to get firebombed before they start <laughs> just to just kind of like it's two in the morning, right? You got to wake up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, personally, me, I I have trouble sleeping the night before a race. So I did not sleep at all the night before, which sucked because, you know, by the time you're at Jake Bull or Nimble Will, you're going 48 hours without sleep. So things right. get a little weird. But uh, yeah, I didn't do, I've never done the shuttle at GDR. I don't know if anyone else here, doesn't sound like anyone else here has. No, I didn't take it either. I got dropped off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the very quick and rushed drop off. Yeah. Into just, the rain. All right, just get him out of the car. Go. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to rain the... sideways. Good. We got to go. <laughs> and that's the thing, because like, you're finally there at the location. You know, the race starts at like 5 a.m. You know, what's it like at the start at the Georgia death race before you guys take off? You know? Like, what's that vibe like? Like, what's going through your mind? Bro, I feel like it's pretty much like any other race, man. It's In my experience, like, it, I don't know, it feels pretty laid back, pretty chill. I mean, I guess this year we were all – it's a little bit different because this year everybody was kind of huddled up under this pavilion, I guess, to try to stay out of the, the rain. So, you know, for the most part, people were just kind of chatting, you know, seemed pretty laid back. I guess you had some people that kind of seemed a little more quiet and focused, you know. I mean, you know, for, for me, you know, once, once I – you know, kind of the anticipation, you know, I, I didn't really think about the race a lot the week leading up to it or anything like that. You know, I guess maybe when I got to the, the pack of pickup the night before, you know, I kind of got excited. That kind of got me in the, the mindset, you know, or whatever. But um, the morning of, you know, I don't know, I I don't really think all about it. Pretty, pretty laid back, I guess. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. It seemed like a pretty, pretty laid back vibe. I feel like that's the way most, most ultras are. I had the same vibe as the packet pickup. Everyone, everyone had like their own little group. They were all yeah. talking to, yeah, and everything. And I think that was in part just because we were all kind of forced to be in that little area with the rain and everything. Right. And there's been some years where it was like quiet in the morning. Everyone's just kind of like in their own little head, and oh, I love that moment. Everyone's like freaking out. 
Yeah. (laughs) What have I got myself into? Yeah, I love the anguish, the suffering, and I love. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's great. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was cool this year, though, man, because you know Sean got up and kind of spoke and gave his pre-race, you know, kind of pep talk, which was pretty cool, and then. The national anthem, man. How about that? He rocked. Yeah, that was. Yeah, awesome. I was about to say he had a great was, voice. Yeah, that was like a perfect way to. I can't think of a better way to kick off that. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, like it's like you guys already kind of mentioned it. It was raining the morning of the race. You know, what did you think of the rain? Like that's so fitting for a race called the Georgia Death Race. It wasn't raining. I said it was a. It was a a microburst supercell. <laughs> Uh, if you look at it on the radar, it was just a band of d- like dark red that was going through. And my brother, his house, he was looking through his ring doorbell because his house is in Fort Payne, Alabama. So we got to see a preview of what this was, which, you know, of course, helped our nerves going into this. Uh, so we got to see a preview of how bad the storm was by looking through his like ring doorbell. Oh yeah, it was like raining sideways. It was just just rain, 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 rain. It was just really rough, and so cool. That's coming our way. All right, this is gonna be this is gonna be a race to remember. Then, yeah, yeah it, it, almost, <laughs> it almost like teased us too because when we first when I got dropped off, it was like it was raining pretty hard, and then like there was this time period, maybe like half hour before the race, where it kind of let up, and and I was like, oh man, like maybe maybe it's gonna stop. Maybe we're gonna be in the clear. And then literally Blanton's given, you know, Sean's given kind of his last little pep talk and, and probably like five minutes before the start. And it just absolutely just, just sideways, just, just lets, just lets loose. And it just starts storming sideways, rain, winds whipping and blowing like right on, right on cue for the start of the race. I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, this is perfect. So at that point though, I mean, the mindset for me was like, like a lot of things, I feel like you, you can't do anything about it. So why worry about it? You know, like it is what it is. Like, we were here to run a race. It's going to be hard, so why not make it a little bit harder? <laughs> yeah, I was excited. I was like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. Because I learned I learned very early on, like that 50-mile that ruck race, like the worse the conditions, the more it suffers, I discover the better that I do. Right, uh, right. And so I was just like, hey, I got a chance, you know? And so, yeah, the, the rain just really, really set the tone. I liked it. And just going down the mountains, just being constantly alert. I think everyone slipped. Everyone oh, yeah. slipped. I slipped backwards, and my I slipped. My elbow hit a rock, and then another time I slipped again. My my hip hit a rock. Everyone owes a slip and fall at the Georgia Death Race. This one we owed like five, because if you ever <laughs> notice the first like the first ten people who come in through an aid station. Again, volunteer. You're going to see this. It's awesome. They always have, like, their legs are just bleeding. <laughs> They're just, you can tell that they just fell and they just, okay, got lucky. It didn't, you know, didn't hit my head. And they just keep going. So, yeah, everyone, everyone, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I took some spills on those rocks. Oh, I definitely did. I yeah. think I fell at least three times coming down. The first, the first hill. Oh yeah, I think my, I had a buddy at, at White Oak there, like eight miles in the first aid station, taking photos for the race, and and he was like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "It was just carnage." He's like, "Everybody was just covered in mud, head to toe, like just basically sliding down the mountain." You know, it was it was pretty wild for sure. But uh, I don't know, man. Like then again, you know, mindsets everything, right? So I think, uh, you know, I think as long as you stay positive during something like that, you're like, well, this is the situation we're in. Can't do anything about it. Might as well roll with it. So fortunately, you know, it was, uh, 
early on in the race. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it would. Can you imagine the experience when you like if that starts at like Nimblewill or something like that? <laughs> yeah, or if the course was reversed. Oh yeah. You had to go through all of that crap at the end. Oh yeah. Just going through with your legs being so destroyed. Oh, that would have been a whole <laughs> other story. Yeah, I think too, a little sliver of hope that everybody was holding on to is like we knew it was going to clear up. It was just a matter of like yeah when. when. <laughs> I think it took so. like. I think when did it stop? It was I like it was, two hours into the yeah, race. Yeah, I think it was two or three, two or three hours in. Yeah, let up. Yeah, just just to make the beginning, the Duncan Ridge part nice. No, oh, was yeah. it Duncan Ridge we did in the beginning? Yeah, well, we climbed up Kusa <laughs> and then Kusa, like, yeah, yeah, and then and then we veered off on the DRT and, and the, we pretty yeah. much stayed on the DRT or like the Bent Mackay Trail for a long time. <laughs> and that's the thing, because like. Obviously, you guys, you know, you take off on the course. You've got that nice stretch of like paved downhill, and then you've got Wolf Creek, big grassy knob, and then you head up the Coosa Vault. You know that first aid station. How did those early miles go? Because you know it's the first eight miles. Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, like they kind of flew by. To be honest, like I, mm -hmm. I was just felt like I was in the zone. Like you're, you know, you just got your headlamp. You're, you know, you're kind of staring at that six foot beam of light in front of you just trying not to slip on the way up kusa and like i feel like we summited kusa and like we started dropping down and i was like whoa we're already going down like that's you know like i didn't even i think i was just in the zone and like it it, it kind of flew by that first section to be honest the start was a little different this year you know the previous few times we this is the first year i think other than the the COVID edition of the race where yeah it, did, it didn't start in vogel and so previously in vogel you know you're just on paved you know running like a half mile three quarters of a mile out of the park and then you're you're pretty much on on trail right away, so it's just this big conga line pretty much from the start. This one, we were running on paved for probably a good mile and a half or so before we kind of got to the Forest Service Road that led us to Kusa. So it gave it time to spread out a little bit, which was somewhat nice. You know, it didn't. You know, it kind of separated people out a little bit in the early miles, and um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, I just feel like. We just everybody was just getting pounded by by the rain and and uh, just jogging along the road for a while. <laughs> so I don't know. That was fun. Yeah, I agree. Even as a, my first time out there, I mean, the first couple hours just kind of flew by. I was too worried about just making it through the rain and telling myself just make it till the sun comes up and it's all going to be good. Yeah, it is cool though <laughs> when you climb. So I don't know if y'all noticed this and and uh, but when you start climbing up Coos and start hitting all the switchbacks and stuff. I don't know if y'all ever like look back behind you and just saw like all the headlamps just going. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Headlamps just winding through the, through the mountainside or the ridge. It was, it was pretty cool. And that's a big thing. You know, I, I love this area, that area of Georgia. And obviously you guys make it to Mulkey gap, you know, mile 13, you know, some, for some people, this is a huge wake up call. Like, Holy crap. Like this is what it's like out here. Coming into Mulkey Gap, you know, how those miles go? Um, I went by quick still at Mulkey because yeah. it's just, just trying to get through it. Yeah, I mean, the early miles go by pretty quick. I mean, at Mulkey, by the time you get to Mulkey, the sun's up. You know, on paper, like the climb up Kusa on paper looks, you know, like one of the more difficult ones on the course. And on paper, <laughs> it probably is in terms of just the the amount of vertical gain you get in a short amount of time. But you're, you're fresh at that point. Yeah. So, so in my opinion, you know, it's it's definitely in terms of how it feels, not one of the more difficult climbs. But coming into Mulkey, you know, you got a pretty tough climb. I think it's up Aiken after that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, really, 
really the early miles go by pretty quick. I mean, I, I would say it feels relatively uh, quick and, you know, def, definitely not effortless, but all the way to Skeena. And I feel like once you get through Skeena at mile 21, then then you feel like you kind of start grinding a little bit, you know. Um, things It feels like time starts to slow down and you really just kind of have to be in the moment coming out of Skeena. But, yeah, those early miles seem to go by pretty quick. You know, the sun's coming up. You get some cool views up there. And, and uh, at that point, you know, everybody hasn't totally spread out yet to no man's land so you know get to chit chat with some cool people on the trail and yeah yeah skiing is a, a major marker and like you said everyone's fresh until the, you're going down skiing and if you guys look at the gpx of the map those listening there's this little offshoot that kind of goes out and back that's the out and back we're talking about and when you're going out into skiing it's a really cool aid station and it's a really cool run because it's all downhill. And then you realize as you see people coming up, what comes down and this race has got to go right back up and you're, it's so easy going down and you're like, Oh God, this just, I've been going downhill for a long time. Oh my God. I'm going to have to go up this. And then, <laughs> so once you get out of Skeena gap, I think that's when the race really that's when your 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 first soreness starts to occur you got your owies starting to crop up and then so that in between skeena and like the mile 37 station yeah, long is creek, when yeah. It, yeah long creek is when it just starts getting hot when it just starts getting long and drawn out the sun's right at your back none of the trees offer shade because none of the leaves has come back yet so everything's still dead and so it's just that's that's when the time really slows down yeah i would i would agree with that you know everything up to skiing it seems to go relatively quick you know it's and then coming out of skiing is really when you i feel like you kind of gotta put your nose down and start grinding um that climb out and then i think all the way up long creek i don't know about y'all but for me i feel like there's a, a lot of difficult climbs in the course but i feel like one that, that really stings one that really kind of kind of breaks off a little bit is is right when you go over that swinging bridge the climb going yes. into the climb going into oh my god that 50k aid station it literally it feels like because you you kind of have some smooth like buttery trails going down winding down into that swinging bridge and it's i feel like almost immediately when you come off that the swinging bridge you you hit a wall and i mean it, yes. and, and it feels like that too like all three times i've run gdr that that climb right after the swinging bridge stands out as one of the the more difficult ones. Not you know on paper it might not look like it, but I think just the timing of the race and where it's at, and you're far enough in to where your legs are, are kind of starting to, to fry a little bit. You know you're you're a little tired. Um, that one that one's a tough one. That's a tough From one. I'll be interested to get y'all's opinion on what some of the more difficult climbs or sections. Oh no, it's absolutely were. that. From the swinging bridge to long creek, long creek or the yeah. mile 37 that section you know hottest time of the day and especially if you're you're coming back to the race you know exactly once you get to long creek it's smooth sailing after that course is dramatically easier you can run some sections even i mean it gets, just gets so much easier so you're just you're just like okay come on i get it i've been out here long enough right <laughs> you just you just know what lies ahead and you're just like come on just let me go there 
Yeah, man. Yeah, totally. That's that's a tough section for sure. Yeah, man. So up until Mulkey, that, you know, it did, like they said, I kind of had, you know, even as a first timer, man, I agree with everything they're saying. Like the first 13 or whatever gap and it flew by, it was pretty miserable for me just because, I mean, I'm, I'm not used to this, man. I'm, and it's freezing. Around. You know, my hands are frozen. Mm-hmm. Gloves on. Probably the first aid station that helped me out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, up until Skeena, man, it was, it was, it flew by. Um, like I said earlier, changed my socks there, got everything situated back together. And, um, yeah, Skeena, Skeena to Jake Bull was, that was tough going into Jake Bull. Again, it's funny all three to say the same thing. Like that was just kind of like a pivotal moment at Jake Bull for me as well. My dad was there crewing me and not for the first time. And, and- I was like, like I, I got to get out of here because if I don't get out, if I don't get out of here, it's done. I'm, I'm done. It was like, uh, I moved to that yeah. A station as fast as I could. I just, I was like, I got to get out of here because if I get out of here, I'm, I'm definitely finishing because there ain't nowhere to, that's a good thing about this race though, too, is like, there ain't many places to quit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> yeah. If you want to quit, man, I mean, it's, you got to walk to the next A station and you're going to be stuck there anyway. So you might as well just yeah, keep moving. Well. You might as yeah. well just keep moving because you're gonna be you're gonna be stuck anyways in the mountains. It's such so. a good feeling leaving the Jake Bull station too. No, like yeah. I don't know, like like you just get more energy. It just you just get that second wind. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to explain. Maybe maybe it's because like I brought I brought a toothbrush to that to my drop bin and I brushed my teeth and got all that sugary slime off teeth for the day. By the way, that's a totally uh, totally good free advice for y'all. That's the bring the toothbrush, brush your teeth. It gets you back into the game. That's a, that's a ultra running life hack right there. My friends. I forgot <laughs> to do that. I meant to do that too. So good. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, you, yep. it's like you, you, you're, you're close enough. You see the light at the end of the tunnel, not in terms of the end of the race, but in terms of getting, you know, to that more runnable section. But yeah, after 30 miles on the DRT, man, your, your body's feeling it for sure. Yep. Oh yeah. So for those listening, all you need to do to survive, and I'm going to put this, I wrote a GDR guide on the team regiment website, how not to DNF the Georgia death race. The most crucial part of the race is that race, that that section that we just talked about one from Skeena gap. Once you're going back uphill from that aid station to long Creek, when you're, when you finally get done with the Ridge to gap, all that stuff, that's just survive through that. And you're golden. You just yeah. have to not quit. <laughs> I, I feel like two. I feel like two is like I feel like Jake Bull is a pretty pivotal point. Yes, because there's a lot of carnage coming yeah. into Jake Bull, and I feel like man, that's such an easy place to just throw in the towel for so many people because you usually have your crew there. You know, you it's this big aid station, and you come in. You know, your crew's there to kind of take care of you and make you feel comfortable and all that. And it's like. Once you get to that that safety blanket, it feels like, or that security of an aid station, especially that deep into a race. And by Jake Bull, I mean I don't care who you are. I mean that's everybody's hurting. You know, everybody's hurting. And uh, oh yeah, that's that's a difficult point too. I feel like if you can get yourself to leave Jake Bull, your chances you're of finishing finish. go. Yeah, you're gonna finish. Oh, absolutely. But but if you can leave, if you can step out of that aid station, just start walking down the trail out of Jake Bull, your chances of finishing go drastically up. Yep. But I feel like that's a, a big mental barrier is that Jake Bullade station in terms of uh, just able to convince yourself to keep going, you know, because that's a that's a low point. I know for me, that was like a major low point in the race was like because I knew what I had left to do and I just wasn't feeling good at all. Food wasn't staying down. 
But in, in my head, I also drew confidence on the fact that he was like, okay, I've, I've been here before in terms, you know, I've, I've felt like this before and I've overcome it in the past, you know, just, just kind of draw strength from that. And uh, yeah, man, there's, there's, there's definitely some, some low points out there for sure. Yep. The miles leading up to Jake Bull for sure. I'm kind of glad, like my brother was almost going to, uh, he was kind of up in the air if he was going to volunteer during that day at Jake Bull and those miles leading up to it. Cause I, I, I never bring my phone at these runs, the miles leading up to it. That was a very low point. That's another point where I was, where I just kind of had that little clashing thought, like, you know, he's bringing a van and he's got a pillow. He's got an air to lay down. I know the rest of the course is freaking easy, even though it's like 20 something miles to the finish. That's it's, it's a super easy 20 miles, but still has 20 miles and he's got a pillow and he's got a place to lay down. And maybe, I mean, I've done this so many times, but no, I got to do this. And then I got to do it one more time so I can get that jacket. Cause that's a cool jacket, man. I got to get the jacket. We all got to get the jacket, all of us. And, Oh man. Yeah. The, the, the spot leading to Jake, if you can, like you said, if you can walk out of Jake bull, you're a finisher, you're going to, you got this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. Jake bull was definitely a low point coming into there. You know, I, I really felt like I was up against the ropes at that point, but I mean, that's where so you just got to come out swinging, <laughs> you know, you just got to come out fighting and be, be willing to, to uh, kind of deal with those mental, uh, the, the little voice inside your head that's trying to convince you to stop. <laughs> I feel There's like everybody cool food to there too this point. year. Yeah, man. Yeah, that you know, cornbread. You, the, the you get to eat the cornbread, <laughs> The eight, so no, man. That's what's so frustrating too, especially late in race. The aid stations are always phenomenal, and there's like all this food I'm looking at. And it's like I'm at this point where like I can't eat anything, or it's coming right back up. It's oh. like, you, you always want, so it's like this. Yeah, you're having to stare at all this really good food, and you try to eat it, and of course nothing's sticking at the time. But yeah, man, the aid stations were, were are always on point at this race for sure. <laughs> yeah, because after Jake Bull, you know. You've only got one more aid station, you know, until you're done. Take me into Nimble, Will. You know, uh, how did those oh. miles go? You know, those Jeep roads, all of that. How did that go down? That's my favorite. That was my favorite right there. That's when things get quiet. That's yeah. when everyone, everyone around you, like I'm full of energy at that point, just because everyone doesn't have energy. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to explain. Maybe it's just because I come from like the background of like the like the Guruk and Spartan kind of things. Like like Spartan Death Race was a lot like that. Day three, like everyone's quiet. Everyone was just in their own head. They're just thinking about their situation, and I'm just like looking at everyone, like wide eyed, looking at them. It's like this is a good race, isn't it? This is fun, and they're just looking at me. Just <laughs> I could see them. Just like I don't want to talk right now. I just want to walk and just go. I just want to finish. Damn it! And they're just. Ah, oh, I love that area. It's got like a weird children of the corn vibe with all there's <laughs> all the houses out there. There's kids playing, there's dogs barking at you. Like it's got real, you know, it puts the lotion in the basket kind of vibes. <laughs> and it's just it's nimble wheels a party. You go past the little campsites that I always pass by and think, huh, I want to camp there like a normal person one day. Go by that, go on the little dirt road and just I don't know. Speed walking it. Speed walking's my 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 specialty. I can speed walk a uh, a 13 minute mile, and so I just I just walk it through at a 13 minute clip. And yeah, I don't know. I, I my description of Nimblewell might be a little bit different. I, I, <laughs> Josh and Matt, you guys might yeah. have a different story about Nimblewell, but I was I, I that's I love it. It's just just central zone for suffering 
and it just puts a smile on my face. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I was smiling, but I will agree it is the. That was some major suffering there. It was. It seemed like it was never gonna end to me. I never. I didn't think it was ever gonna end. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I agree. I mean, it's 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 funny because I've actually trained. I've run the Jake Bull to the finish line section in a training run before fr- on fresh legs, and like I remember so a few years ago when I did that, I was like, this feels so easy. Like this is like you know this is nothing. But dude, you go do that with fifty miles on your legs, you know thirty, you know all day on the DRT. It's a completely different experience. You know, normally, you know, the sun starts setting as you're going up, you know, uh, you know, up Nimbleville. And, and like you said, man, it's just a, it's a different vibe. You know, you definitely, I would agree with what he said, like, you, you know, everybody's pretty spread out at that point, but when you do encounter other runners or, or other people on the, on the course, you know, every, just everybody feels like they're very inward at that point, you know, just focused, just you know, just kind of in a trance, just focused on putting one foot in front of the other. Every, you know, everybody's suffering. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's, you know, dealing with their own problems at that point, you know, and, and that's, that's the point where, I mean, that's what you come to the Georgia death race for. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, just that feeling of suffering and be able to push through it. And, and uh, what's, what is funny that I will mention about nimble will and, and something that I know better than now, because I've done it several times, but I, I literally was thinking about this as I was going up nimble. I was like, man, I feel, feel bad for all these first timers. So I'd be interested to hear for your first time doing the race. There's these signs that they place going up. the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the first oh. time, the first, it got me to the first time yep. that I did the race. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just this never ending climb up this like fire, this Jeep road that it's, it's, you know, it's not the steepest world, but it's steep enough to where like, you know, I usually, if you can run it, you can make a lot of, a lot of time. I kind of, what Sean's advice before the race is normally what I try to stick to is just try to, if, if you can at least walk, jog it, you know, like jog a minute, walk a minute, jog a minute or something like that. Like you'll really be able to make up some time, but there's these signs they place going up the, 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 the climb and you get about halfway up it and you have like at that point you have like no sense of how many miles you've been away it's like it's a long stretch from jake bull to nimble it's like 11 miles and at the pace you're moving at that point it takes a while there's this sign that will say like oh you're almost there one one more mile to the aid station and so you'll like you'll keep trudging up this up the mountain you'll keep trudging up and they'll be like oh just a half mile to go is the next sign and then you'll get like half mile more and then It'll be like, oh, congratulations! You made it like three more miles to the aid station, or like, yeah, oh, this you're mountain, there. Yeah, you're yeah. there. This mountain <laughs> has no top, you know. And it's just like this random, you know. It's just, it's just mind games, is all it is. Which it's kind of funny, you know. I mean, that's kind of what the whole ethos around the race is. They just, you know, it's all in good fun, and I think it makes it that much more fun, fun for the runners and stuff. But it's just, yeah, it's just mind games. And but I, I literally did think about the first timers out there. I was like, oh, I bet they're reading this sign, and they're like overjoyed right now that they only have one more mile to the aid station in reality they have like another four mile climb up this mountain yeah i always think like how many people cried at that point you know (laughs) i wonder how many people how many tears are on the ground right now after seeing that sign this is ah the mountain's got no top ah you got it didn't even tell you how many more miles to go it was vicious i don't know what'd you what'd you think I'll, I'll, i'll say i'll say they didn't get me with the signs but when we did get to the top and they had like the lights and stuff yes, and the little party yes. going, I thought I thought that was the aid station. And when yes. it wasn't, I almost I did 
I did almost shed a tear at that point. Yeah, <laughs> then, they're like, then they're like, okay, you made it here. Now you got to go up this other part right here over here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I yeah. thought this was the aid station here. <laughs> that got me the first time too. Dude, that's the thing, man. Like, so what he's talking about is there's this like, you get up to, I guess, Nimblewell Gap is, I guess, technically what it is. You, you get up this climb. And really when you're like a mile or two out, you start just hearing this faint like music, just this bumping, you know, like just this, thumping music sound in the woods you're like oh man like in the first time i did the race i'm like oh that's that's it that's the aid station well you keep climbing and keep winding around these turns and it's like the music's getting louder but you're like it's got to be around the next corner it's got and it never is and so you keep going and finally you're you hear this loud music it sounds like a party there's strobe lights there's music and and he's like yes the aid station you know that's that's that was exactly my thought too it was like i made it and I remember the first year I did it, we got there. I'm like, is this the A station? Like, no, nah, this ain't the A station. This is just the party station. <laughs> and so, so you get there. And yet, and like you said, you have to take a left and you have to go up this big, another climb, you know, shocker. And you have, you have like another mile and a half or two miles to get to the actual Nimblewell A station. So it's, it's just all a mind trip out there, man. And I remember the first year I did it, like we got into that section where all the music and stuff was. And we took a left. And right before you start going up that climb, they actually had this dude dressed as like the Grim Reaper standing there. Oh yeah, and you had to That's shake his, like you had to shake his hand before they let you pass to go up the climb or something like that. Oh, that would that would have been cool. I wish they did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude, some it's... years they they put little weird things up on there. One one year they had uh, they had some water there. This year they had a little water drop right right near the campsite. So that was good of them to do. Um, with the water drop, I think that's Another... the first time I've ever had that that I've noticed. So yeah, another year they had they had a redneck aid station, which they basically had a lot like along the the service road that goes up around one of the turns. They had a lawn chair with a skeleton in it, with um, with a table out with a pack of Marlboro Reds and some vodka and that was that was the uh, the redneck aid station so they, they put something special there every year it's always a little treat but they usually have the you're almost there sign or, prank for all the new folks and it's, it's, or just or just the subtle encouragement along the way like you'll be random randomly like on the drt you know by yourself just in the middle of nowhere in the mountains and look up and you'll just see a sign that says you're going to die or, or just yeah. like you're not yeah. going to make it give up or you're welcome to your demise or just something yep. like that, you know, all encouragement, which is, you know, like Blant said, I guess that's their uh, roundabout way of just telling you good luck or something like that. <laughs> all in good fun. And that's the thing. It's like, you're finally at that nimble will aid station. It's the final stretch to go to the finish line. You've got some technical trail. You've got like 600 freaking, you know, steps to the Imacola falls. Then some downhill. How did that section go into, you know, c coming to the finish line? So I'll start leaving Nimbleville. Like you got what, like 10 miles or so. And so, you know, at that point, like, you know, you're going to make it like barring disaster. Like, okay, I'm going to get to the finish line. Now that doesn't make you like, you still usually feel like crap, you know, at that point in the race. But I will say like, once you get to the Linfoot hike in, you start going down from the Linfoot hike in, I guess on the hiking trail all the way to the park. I feel like that section just drags on and on and on for me. Yes. Like you feel like you're I was thinking the same it's thing. It's like the end, the never ending trail. And, and, and I remember the first year I did it, like it felt that way. 
and then I guess for some reason in my head, I thought that we were just going to like pop out like at the visitor center. We're going to be like there, like at the base of the park about to climb up. And then like when, when you get to that road crossing and you see that sign that says 1.25 miles to the visitor center, like you're in the park, but you still have like over a mile to go. I remember the first year I did it, but just being so frustrated and defeated because I guess I didn't realize I thought, I guess I thought we were almost there and we, we weren't, but, um, but yeah, that section just drags on forever. Honestly, like I feel like that from that Linfoot hiking down, it just, you, you feel like you're, you're, you're never going to get there. And then when you get to the actual visitor center, you know, most everybody knows again, it's just another mind trick. You actually cross right across from the finish line. So you, you, you take a right, you're at the base of the park. You're literally probably like a hundred yards from the finish line. You can, you can see hear it. cheering, you can hear it. You can hear the cheering, but yeah, yeah. you just drop down a thousand foot descent and you turn around and you literally have to 180 and climb that thousand feet back up the stairs. And so it's kind of, you know, this like, Oh, you're there, but you're not, you know, let's climb all the way back up then drop down a thousand feet again. So you literally in the last like 45 minutes of the race, drop down a thousand feet, climb up a thousand feet, drop down a thousand feet. But, uh, I'll be honest, once I, all three times I raced it, like once I get into the part, like the visitor center and I'm there, I feel like I almost get like just this surge of adrenaline because you can just feel the finish line. And so it almost energized, you're energized by that in a sense. And so the section, you know, once you start climbing back up the stairs and then have to drop back down to the finish, like that actually has always gone pretty well for me just because no matter how bad I feel, I just feel like you get, I, I just personally get the surge of adrenaline and I just want to get to the finish. Honestly, like this, the stairs were tough. Not, not only the stairs, but the daggum paved path to get to the stairs is, is super steep. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, super it is. steep. And, uh, but yeah, the stairs are difficult. They're every bit as difficult as you would expect them to be. And then, and then also I think people don't realize how painful it is running down that road on trash yes. lawns. That's just, yeah. like, just, you know, just searing pain, just up your, up your quads <laughs> and knees every single step. And then, uh, but yeah, for me, once you get in the part that last half hour or so, like, I just feel like the finish line is just kind of pulling you along and you get a little surge of adrenaline and that's not too bad, but the, but the section coming down from the Linfoot hike in, like that just feels like it takes forever. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. As a first timer, that that last part just drug on. I was actually getting like a little irritated with it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna finish. Let's just finish up already. Like it just kept dragging and dragging. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a group of runners. Same same thing. Like the the miles leading up to it. That was actually my quiet moment, and I was just tired because I've been awake for 48 plus hours, and so I was just constantly. I would eat. And then I would be hungry 10 minutes later and I knew that was going to happen. So I would just pack more and more food in my vest throughout the day. And that's when I would eat. So at the end, it was just nothing but eating, but it just, you know, it just dragged on. And the group that I'm with, they were just saying the same thing. And they knew that I ran this a whole bunch of times. And I basically had that elevation profile committed to memory is like, so what is this the peak right here? I was like, no, man, we got six more miles to go. There's another two or three peaks we got to go on. And then there's just the whole mood would just darken. And <laughs> of course I'd get a little chuckle. I'd kind of smile, but no, I wouldn't show them. And then <laughs> just, yeah, that whole section quiet. And me just, this year I was just really hoping that Sean had lied and that there was actually going to be food and pizza at the finish line. But alas, there was none. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only the only the the dreaded water crossing. They even had a nice new bridge built there over the water. Did y'all notice that? It, it was. was like it a, was a good bridge. Yeah, it was a good bridge. You know, you know, a nice new bridge, but of course, you know, can't go over it. Have to I'm go through the water. It. Yep. You gotta feel all those little miniature blisters through the day open up. You get to feel all how fresh your feet are, but yeah, by then you don't care. No, 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 man. You see sweet victory ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because how close can you see this finish line? You can hear it. It's yeah. hard to determine because like it's. Uh, I, I really don't know the ranks of bike trails, but I kept seeing signs with two diamonds, so double diamond. I don't know what that means in mountain biking terms, but it was freaking hard to run on. They had that going at the last, I don't know, like half mile to it. And it was very, very steep going down. And so it was really hard to see what was going on down there, but you would occasionally hear what was, what was happening. And then you would hear the sound of another runner slamming their, their burden and yep. their, their burden <laughs> to the, uh, the clank. And you hear that and it's like, Oh, I hear that. I know what that means. And then it's just, just, just around the corner. And so the finish line just opens up very, very suddenly. And you're yeah. like, Oh shit, here it is. But it's just still, it's just so steep getting down there and you got to be careful. You gotta, I mean, I guess it's not a big deal if you roll your ankle going down that last <laughs> little bit, but still it would suck. So yeah. And then you see it and there you're done. You've, yeah, you've done what uh, very few people could do. Like I best. said, less than half of the people got to see that finish line. It's a great <laughs> feeling. It really is. <laughs> it's a great feeling. Yeah, everything they said is true. I mean, uh, I, I just remember it's before we climbed the stairs, and we, I was like, well, "Yeah, we were." I was hearing them, the other guys slam, you know, crossing the finish line, the cheering, slamming their uh, burden into the coffin. I was like, "Oh, sweet, I'm almost there." And I knew we had some stairs to climb, and but those, yeah, they were no, they were no joke. But uh, I will say, like going down, going downhill afterwards, at least for me was, was more painful than going up those stairs anyways. And oh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was very steep going down the hill to the finish line. That was, I don't know if it was actually the steepest, but it sure felt the steepest, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, crossing the finish line, man, that was, that was, that was a great feeling for sure. For sure. Yeah. Cause it's like, and one of the cool things with the Georgia death race You've got that rail spike. You know, how did it feel? Cross that finish line, eventually make your way and put that rail spike to rest. That was that was really one of the main reasons I did the race was that whole concept. I'm like, man, that's a that's a cool concept. I resonate with that. And, you know, dropping that in there, dropping the spike in there at the finish line was uh man, it was awesome. I mean, that's that's the whole reason I did the race, really. I mean, I, it was I resonated with that, carrying a burden for the whole 74-ish miles. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, man, I think it's super cool. I mean, and like you said, I think everybody can resonate with it in some way, shape, or form. You know, just kind of that that metaphor, that idea of, of everybody's dealing with stuff in their own life, man. Everybody's got their own struggles and adversity, and everybody's got these burdens, you know, so to speak, that they carry with them. And that's kind of the whole, the whole um, comparison there is, you know, you got to carry this railroad spike, this burden with you throughout the race, you know, through the ups, the downs, the peaks, the valleys, man, that that the race brings literally, but also life, you know, figuratively, figuratively kind of throws your, throws at you. And, um, you know, there's, there's going to be tough times. There's gonna be good times. And so, yeah, man, I think that's just a lot of people can resonate with that. And I think it's like just a really, 
real like raw thing like it, it sounds silly at first like oh man i gotta carry this railroad spike with me like who does that um but yeah man just the idea of this 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 small seemingly insignificant thing just kind of weighing you down increasingly you know making it increasingly more difficult throughout the race but then you just kind of kind of just get to put the final nail in the coffin and just kind of kind of uh you know kind of get rid of that burden at the end of this long journey is is definitely a I think, you know, when you think about it, like you said, it's just a lot of people can resonate with that. And I think, you know, like what's cool is, is everybody's out there, man. So do, so many different people from different backgrounds and different backgrounds in running. Like we already talked about us three tonight, just completely different backgrounds in running. But, man, we're all out there for, like, different reasons. Like nobody just comes and runs the Georgia Death Race for fun. It's not like your local turkey trial. Like everybody has their own reason and motivation for wanting to be out there. It's like it's like Sean said, like we all chose to be there. and uh, And, you know, I think that's – for me personally, like, you know, my relationship with running's changed drastically over the years. You know, obviously early on and in, in through my collegiate career, like obviously it's very performance focused at that point, you know, in your career. And and then now, you know, I just I don't know, I feel like it's a multifaceted answer, you know, why I run these races. But, you know, a lot of it's just you know, I love being in the mountains and a lot of it's just for the the mental health of being out there and and uh you know, every, I think everybody has their own reasons for why they do it. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, it creates this very cool, I don't know, just meaningful experience for, for people and for people in the race and, and ultimately for those people that get to finish it for sure. And the food. I like to and the, all food, the food. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they, yeah. Their food, their food was great. I will give them that. That was <laughs> really good. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> every, like every finish line, I try to, I try to put in as much effort as I can to where I am just complete, I am just a freaking corpse at the finish line. And, uh, well, I mean, you guys saw the pizza gut picture. You can see how that turned out. And that's, a, <laughs> you know, this is a perfect opportunity right before we get closed out. Oh God. What is the pizza gut, bro? You gotta <laughs> tell us about the pizza gut. So it's 2017, I think it's my second time out. Wait a second. Time out. I think I, I know what picture you're talking about. I feel like everybody's seen that picture at this point. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> with, with, that's when it, yeah, that's, that was like after the race inside the little shelter mm -hmm. up there. Yep. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm totally, yeah. I know, I, know, I know where we're at now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All along the whole time this podcast has been going, I was like, what are they talking about? But no, I totally just connected the dots. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, uh, yeah, 2017 or 2018, um, I was super stoked because I was looking at the time all throughout the race. I'm calculating my time. I'm running at this pace. Uh, if I keep going at this pace, I can finish by this time. Oh my God. It would be amazing if I finish at this time because I got this time last time. And so all you, you got, you have very might as well be thinking about that during the race. And so I'm thinking about that for like, you know, 18 plus hours. And so I went all out. I just, that year, I just pushed and pushed and pushed and finished it. Awesome. He gives me the, he gives me the spike. We do the whole ceremony, yada, yada. And he says, and it's cold at the end and it just started to rain. And Sean just says, yeah, just go that building over there. Congrats. It's, it's warm. There's plenty of food. There's, there's like pulled pork. There's uh, briskets. There's pizza. There's whatever you want. Go in, relax. You're done. Go in there. Oh, just a, a warm air, smells of delicious food. I, uh, my clothes are soaking wet. And so I get my clothes off. And so I'm down to my underwear. But like my mind is just so destroyed by that point. 
I'm in my underwear. And so I'm trying to do like a whole bunch of different tasks at once, but only like halfway doing a whole bunch of different things at once. And so I'm like, okay, I got to do my clothes, but oh, there's food. So I got to go get some food. I'm still standing. I should really sit down and just kind of put my legs up. And so I like try to do all of those at the same time. <laughs> and so I get like a pizza piping hot pizza delicious pizza hell yeah take a bite out of it it's delicious gotta sit down okay i sit down uh and then my next task is like okay great i gotta get some i gotta get some dry clothes on uh, let me get another bite of pizza and let me just and i just kind of just like <laughs> just completely zonk out and my friend chris stancil he's out there and i see him like lifting his phone up and I didn't really think of it at the time. And everything just kind of goes black. And I just kind of like totally black out where I'm sitting. And I was in the middle of eating pizza. And so there, that's kind of how the picture started or how the picture became a thing is that uh, just, yeah, I tried to do everything at once and just had no energy to do anything. And so I just, I remember waking up. And the pizza was like already on my stomach. I was like, oh, sweet. That's where I left it. And I just like resumed eating a now cold pizza. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I just, just had a nice little power nap, had some more pizza. And yeah. And then Chris sends it to me later on. I'm like, that's a good picture. And then yeah, I think he sent it over to like ultra running memes <laughs> or something. And then Sean posts it. And then it just, I don't know. Everyone, everyone just shared it, went crazy with it. It got, I think it made like semifinals in the muscle and fitness competition where I almost ran, I almost won, won $20,000. You see, you see like a, uh, a whole, you see like a, all the pictures of all the competitors. They're like, you could just Google stock photo of Instagram fitfluencer. And it's like got all these glistening abs and like gym selfies. And then there's this guy, this is a grainy <laughs> pizza gut just sitting passed out. This guy with like zero yeah. muscle tone in comparison to everyone else. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just, it's just this crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. That's not prime marketing for GDR. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He needs to put that on a, uh, he needs to put that on like a coffee mug or something or a shirt. Or something. I'll, I'll work with him. I'll see if we can, if we can arrange a, uh, if he can hook me up. I'll give them some good marketing with the pizza good, I guess. Yeah, maybe that could be for like the you know the five the five time finishers get the jacket. Maybe like a, a ten time finisher gets like a shirt with that on it or something. Oh yeah, or you get like a <laughs> like a golden uh, cast slice of pizza with one bite in it. There and you go. You can just have have your pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you listening, Sean? These are good ideas. You got to write these down. <laughs> And, you know, I guess we can kind of start to wrap it up with, you know, the classic, what was the good, the bad, and the ugly for the 2023 Georgia death race? Well, uh, do we have another couple hours? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll let somebody else start that one off. (laughs) That's such a simple yet complex question. We ask it about the Georgia death race, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are we just talking about in general or about our own personal experience? Yes, both. Yes, both. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I guess I guess I keep, you know, kind of touching on this, like the good, obviously, you know, obviously the three of us, you know, we got across the finish line. You know, that's I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you have all these goals and stuff. But 
you know, you just got to be thankful for, for the ability to get across the finish line in an event like this. You know, I mean, something as difficult as, as GDR, you know, that's always a, you know, something you got to be grateful for. So that's, you know, that's, that's good. You know, a lot of, a lot of good runners out there, you know, didn't make it to the finish line. So that's something to be grateful for. And I think for me, you know, it's just, man, just continue to operate, you know, just, I don't know, man, it's such, it's such a, just such an epic weekend. I think just the, the opportunity to be in that environment around like-minded people and, and to be around those community of people is, is just, uh, is just, a, is always a, a good thing, you know, and, and it's just a, a fun part of the event, what keeps me going back to it and, and, and keeps me wanting to, uh, to kind of come back for some, some more, despite how painful it may be. So that's always a, a big highlight for me is just, just being in that environment, being around the people and, uh, and obviously making it, being able to make it to the finish line and, and, uh, live to fight another day for sure i don't know yeah for me as a first timer man the you know obviously finishing was good but being out there in the mountains for running for the probably i mean it, the first time in my life really it was um a lot of lessons learned i mean a lot of good lessons learned that i can carry on to, to, to my next races and stuff um it's a lot different running up in the mountains than it is down in florida races uh it's just a completely different type of pain different challenges but you know the just the lessons learned from that you know that you, you can apply those to all your races so that was that was the best part for me for sure yeah i mean the, the cool part is like no matter how many times you do it or how many races you run there's always new lessons that you're learning so it's like a it's, you know it's it's kind of a non-stop learning process it's it's a it's a unique sport in that aspect i feel like you can never master it it's just always a learning process as soon as you have it figured out you you know you get knocked down and got to pick yourself back up and, and keep learning. So yeah, new problem, new problem, the next race. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> always, always, always. You get humbled real quick when you're in the mountains, no matter, no matter yes. who you are, what, how many races you've done, you know, it's, you know, it's a clean slate every time you step on that start line for sure. Yeah. I'd say for me, I mean, this last, man, we've been at this for like an hour 45. This is great. I think, you know, the good, bad and the ugly, we've, we spent the last hour 45 discussing that. But uh, if we were to summarize it, I'd say the good is the course. The the bad, it's the course. It's the, the course. The, yeah. the, the ugly is <laughs> the ugly is that we we got to wait a year to go out and do it again. Yeah. Because I'll be out there again and I'll do it again, either by volunteering and seeing you guys and the people listening right now going through everything that we just described or. Hey, I'll be doing it side by side. I'll be the loud, talkative person along the nimble will gap. And yeah, I look forward to it. Well, heck yeah. So the real question is, Joseph, when are you going to get up here for uh, GDR? When are you going to get out there on the star line and, and, and go for your spike? <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. I'm looking 2025, 2026. There you go. You know, I've I've got my 2023, 2023 or 2024 calendar. So, you know, I've got to look at the future years. That's the real bad thing in all this is there's there's our for at least for me personally, my bucket list of races is too long and there's not enough there's yeah, I feel like I have too many races I want to do and I'm not able to do them all. So, yeah, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but hey, y'all, this was awesome. This was yeah, very man. awesome. This is super cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, man. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, that's my, my first podcast experience, man. But it's been super cool getting to chat it up and kind of hear other perspectives and experiences from, from GDR. And yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be a part of it.
Fuck you. <laughs> nice. Alright, I gotta go put my kids to bed, guys. Yeah, I gotta get on the line as well. It's been real. I'll see y'all at the next adventure. Heck yeah. Appreciate your chances. Good job, fellas. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us on. See you, dude. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I appreciate it. Nice. See you guys later. And there we have it for the Georgia Death Race. Man, what an awesome weekend. And hey, also on that same weekend was the Hungryland 100. And that, you know, that race, it was hot. It was brutal. And I tell you what, Mikey B, he did one heck of a job, you know, with the ups, the downs, you know, with all of it. And hey, that chat is coming also this week. So hey, stay tuned for that. And hey, until next time, happy trails.